Welcome back, you guys. I'm so excited. We're in John chapter 5. Oh, look at us just making our way through John. You're going to love this teaching. It is such a wonderful teaching, reminding us of the mercy of God in our lives and how he has given us the ministry of reconciliation to show people mercy as our father has shown us mercy. Super excited for you to hear this one. It's going to be, we are going to be in John chapter five, verses one through 16. If you're opening up your Bibles and following along. And again, this is one of my live teachings, so you'll hear some background noise and some hymns and halls, but boy, this teaching is going to be amazing. Enjoy. Hi, family. Welcome to God's Word Transforming Lives. Are you wanting to learn the Bible verse by verse, one letter at a time, with real life application? Then this podcast is for you. My name is Amy, and I have been teaching the Word of God to women for over 15 years now. I came out of some trauma from my childhood, and it left me feeling so empty. And after searching high and low with everything the world had to offer, I always came up short until I learned the Word of God for myself. And it was in that that I became transformed. So if you would like to be transformed by God's word, then stick around and let's do this together. Did you know I have a free sisterhood community of women just like you? Women who love Jesus and they love one another. They too are looking for that deeper walk with Christ and they love learning his word. If you pause right now and click the link below in the show notes, it'll take you right to the Facebook group. We look forward to getting to know you. Okay, so last week we had talked about um, Jesus had went and we had talked about how he had healed the um, nobleman or healed the nobleman's son and that how he kind of rebuked the town and was just like, if you guys don't see signs and wonders, then that's like the only way you're going to believe me is like you want to see these signs and wonders. And so we kind of talked about that week last week. If you guys missed that. You can go on Be The Church um, discussion group and watch that, what he talked about there. But we just remember him just kind of going into that. I'm not going to go back into that too much because we don't have as much time tonight as we normally do. Um, but the beautiful thing about that was is that him and his whole household got saved. And we just see Jesus doing mighty works and saving people, and it's just a beautiful thing to watch. But he was right when he said most people just followed him for his signs, wonders, and miracles. We see that a lot today. We have a whole movement of that where we see people who just follow Jesus for what he can offer them. What some people think is health, wealth, prosperity. Some people think it's the signs and wonders music. Uh, movement, but they don't actually want the holy God of Israel. They don't really want Jesus and his commandments and what it might cost them to follow him. And so that this is no, this isn't new. Like Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun here. And so this is kind of what Jesus was rebuking. And um, so we talked about that last week. Now Jesus is moving out of Galilee. He's going to go back down to uh, Jerusalem because there's a feast. So we're going to start with chapter five, verse one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Uh, we don't know what feast it was, John, for whatever reason. Normally, John's very detailed, but he didn't give us an exact feast on this one. A lot of theologians think it was the Passover. Some think it was Pentecost. It doesn't really matter. But Jesus was going to the feast. At the end of the day, Jesus was the one who gave the law, and he came to fulfill the law. Not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. But he came. He wasn't going to disrespect the law. 
So he's going to still, as a Jewish man, follow the law. Now, what I want you to notice here is that Jesus follows the law of God, not what's added onto the law by man. Right. And that's what we're going to go into here. So he comes down, though. He's going to follow the law. He's Jesus. He's God. If he wouldn't, it'd be, he'd be in sin, right? Because that law was there. He had not made the atonement at the cross yet. The law was still in effect. When, when he dies on the cross, the curse is now placed upon him. That law is now abolished at the cross. But before that, it is not abolished, and so he's going to follow those laws. But he's not going to follow man's traditions and man's laws. And that's what we're going to get into tonight. Religion versus relationship with Jesus Christ. So verse 2. Now, in, now, now there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is now, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda. I mess this up all the time, but Bethesda, 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 Beth meaning home, Thesda of mercy, home of mercy, just like Bethlehem, home of bread. So in the Greek, Be means home. So Bethesda, which means house of mercy, okay? Having five porches. So what I want you to visualize here is like five porches. There's these long walkways. They have the pillars, and then they have an overhang. And what, what those would do is they would kind of keep the sun from beating down on you. They would give you shade for, and, and also comfort from the rain. And so there would be like the five porches. So picture a rectangle, porch, 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 and then right up the middle of porch, and then the pool and the sheep gate. Okay? The sheep gate was where the sheep would stay until they would get cleaned up and then taken into sacrifice into the temple. Okay, so that's where we're at. So the picture, that's where we're at. We're, you have all these people. There's these five porches. There's the pool. There's the sheep. And we're here for the feast. So there's like, okay, just to make sure. You yeah. Fast, there's a pool in the middle. Right. And then like pool, pool. Pool. From what I understand, there's two, like there's a pool and then another pool, right? I think there's two pools. Okay. So like picture a rectangle, porch, 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 porch down the middle, Pool. Okay. Gotcha. Pool of the like and Yeah, they're just like yeah. pillars, like a walkway, like a long yeah. walkway with pillars and then like a roof over it, okay? So, um, kind of like my carport, only much more of a walkway. Okay. So, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. So picture this, there's all these people that are sick and they're lame and they're paralyzed and they're laying there. Now, th some theologians think that during regular days there was about 300 people laying by the pool, but on the feast times there's about 3,000. So really get a picture of this. You got about 3,000 people laying around the pool, sitting around the pool, desiring to be well, desiring to be to get healthy, to get to get healed, and they've got bed sores and they've got diseases and there's a lot of the stinkiness so, so you, you can picture like the stink and the filth and you can just picture what's really going on. three thousand of them you know what i mean and where's the religious leaders they're not there the aristocrats are not there they they don't those are the least of these in society and that is not where they're going to be hanging out but where does jesus go what is jesus where's jesus always picture where's jesus in the picture and so they're waiting for the the water to move who has the esb stephanie can you please read to me verse four of uh, the ESV. It's not there. Oh, it's not there. <laughs> well, isn't that interesting? Like verse four. For effect, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> verse four is not there. Now let's talk about that for a minute. The reason why and we talked about this last Friday, I kind of gave them the nugget already. Verse four is there for my Bible. I have the New King James Version. 
But our oldest manuscripts do not have that anywhere. Verse 4 is not anywhere in any of our oldest manuscripts that we have. Okay? So if you've got the ESV, which is a word-for-word -word translation, the NASB or the RSV, some people might have it in italics. Some have completely taken it out, but then explain why in your study notes. So what that is, this is a tradition. This is not, an angel didn't actually come and stir the water. What it is, is a tradition by what they think is a scribe wanted to explain ancient Israel to you. We, what, if you just read verse 3 and went right to 5, in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now a certain man was there. He wanted to expound on it a little bit. He wanted, we, that's what we think, is it was a scribe that just wanted to kind of expound on the tradition that was there. Now, ancient Israel had a lot of funky traditions. I mean, they would take like ball, not being a vulgar, but the testicles of a bull, and they'd think if they put it on their head and wiped it there, that it'd grow back hair. I mean, they did some really whacked out things. This is ancient Israel, and they had some really weird things. And so what, what's actually probably happened is this, it, this pool was a spring-fed pool, okay? Yeah, welcome to Friday night. This is a, um, so this was a spring-fed pool, okay? So what would happen, just like any spring-fed pool, every once in a while, it would blow water in there, and it would bubble up. And so guess what? If you've ever been inside of a, a spring, there is some therapeutic help in some hot water. You ever want to sit in the jacuzzis or whatever? And so could there have been through the years people that got therapeutic help or found some healing with that or whatever? Sure. And then it turned into kind of like this folk's tale or this tradition. And so they'd all lay there just waiting for that stirring. And it says that only they would wait for one person to go into the water. And so one person, they would lay there for all these people and you know just for one to get healed and i remember when i used to read this um years ago i used to think that's kind of cruel like god just sends an angel and only one person gets healed like that's kind of mean and we're all just going to sit there and wait for them but here it was a tradition you know and so it was kind of cool but anyways one of the things i know steve wanted to kind of reiterate during this time was you know we talked to you guys a lot about versions of the bible and um why why we are so heavy on ESV, NSAB, and RSV around here is because it is a word-for-word -word translation. It's going to give you from the oldest manuscripts we have. It's not going to be, it's not going to give you man's opinion. It's going to be word-for-word. -word. And we just think that that's going to be the best way for you to study God's word. Okay? And so that's why, you know, and this is just kind of one of those reasons. Because if you don't have a study Bible, it doesn't explain that. And you read this and don't have the nugget I just gave you because mine's not a study Bible you're not going to realize that, and you're going to think that an angel comes down and stirs the water, right? And so we want to get the closest to the original manuscripts we can, okay? And so that's why we kind of recommend the ESV. Plus, it's an easier read, and the study Bible has just got fantastic notes for especially new believers, even old. Steve uses ESV. I use this because this is what I was raised on, right? So that's why I have the New King James. So all my notes are in there. My memory's bad. So you guys know how I am about notes. Yeah. Five. Now a certain man who's there who had had an infirmity 38 years. He had this infirmity longer than Jesus was even alive. When, Je when Jesus saw him laying there and knew that he had already had been in that condition. Remember, God knows everything. Jesus knows everything. He knows this guy's end from his beginning. He knew his condition. He knew why he was there. He knew all about him. This is his omniscience. A long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? And you think, duh, Jesus. The guy's laying here with like 3,000 stinky people, hoping he, 
That's not why Jesus did it, though. It's not a dumb moment. Jesus knew that he had a very specific reason for asking this. I'm going to give you two. One, do you really want to be made well? There's a confession. There's a confession that we need to make for salvation, for wanting Jesus. Right? We confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. So there's that confession. Do you really want this? Now, he knows his heart, but there's, a, there's something powerful about confessing out loud, confessing to the Lord, I am a sinner. I do need you. Yes, I want this. But I'm going to give you another one. Do you want to be made well? You know, you would think everybody wants to be made well. But they don't. And let me tell you why. One of the biggest reasons everyone doesn't want to be made well. Because it might cost them something. What if you're on social security disability and God heals you? Uh-oh. Now you go to your doctor, you've been healed. You're going to lose your social security disability. Do you really want healed? Right? I remember, and God kind of brought me back to my members as I was going through this myself, back when I was really sick. And I had all kinds of issues. And I remember there was a part of me where I almost warred inside myself. Gosh, I want to be made whole. I want to serve Jesus. I want, I just want him. I want to, but then there was, I'm going to be real honest with you guys. There was a side of me that there was a payoff. There wasn't a lot expected from me. I was able to be a more complacent. If I needed a shutdown day, no one questioned it. Right? Because there is a such thing as fear of failure, a fear of success, a fear of people expecting things from you, a fear of now people are going to expect you to work, expect you to clean, expect you to cook, expect you to whatever it is. And so I've ran into people that I know are in the state that they're in because they depend more on their government benefit or the payoff. This guy would have been in that place as well. Now, Jesus knew his heart, but everything's written for a reason in the Bible. It's for our teaching as well. This guy learned that he could ask for alms. He could lay in his bed, ask for alms. Might look like an easier life. But if he gets healed, whoa, he might have to go to work. He might have, you know, now there might be expectations of marriage and children and responsibility, right? And so... Just know that not everybody always wants to get healed. They say they want Jesus, but what's the payoff? Do you really want to be free tonight? Do you really want to be free? And I will tell you, on the other side of freedom, which I now am, I, you couldn't give me millions of dollars and all the security in the world to go back to that bondage. I'll take all the responsibility all the hard work, everything that I have to do today instead of going back to that bondage and that hell. But I'm not going to lie and say that there wasn't a little bit of a payoff for me too. There was. I had a husband who took very good care of me. And so if I wanted a shutdown day, yeah, I could get it. But it also left me complacent. There is some real truth in the idle hands are the devil's workshop. We are meant to be workers and producers for the kingdom of God. We are not meant to lay around, watch television, Netflix and chill, binge watch this. We're meant to work and produce. Rest in the Lord, but be producers in the Lord. Amen. Okay? I was said, 
So verse seven, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. And the Lord really put something on my heart as I was going through this. Here's this man. He wants to be made whole. This is called the house of mercy. And yet every man was stepping over him to get, to get their healing. Who are we stepping over every day to get, to get ours, to get mines? Who am I ignoring at work or the pew next to me or my neighbor or whatever? Because I'm too busy. It's all about me. We can be very selfish in Christianum. We can get very religious and we can get this mentality where it's all about us. And we can even do it in God. Oh, it's just all about me. It's all about my time. And not even see the needs around us. Not even see the lame man, the paralyzed woman, the woman crying out to God, the man crying out to God. Because it's all about us. But yet we carry the pool of mercy in us. It's Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you, this past week, who did you grab and take to the pool of mercy? We are around people that are blind and paralyzed and lame and sick by sin all day, every day. And we have the pool of mercy. We have the answer. Yeah. Who have we drugged and said, I've got it. I don't, I'm not going to go in. I'm going to take you in. I want to show you the mercy. I want to show you my Jesus. Or we've just been kind of running around all week. I got to worry about my paycheck. I got to worry about my house. I got to get my long cut. I don't know what's going on with my neighbor next door. I have no idea who sat next to me in church. I, I don't know because it was, it, was, it was all about me. Yeah. I came in to get my religion. I came in to get mine. And then I left. And that's no different than every single person that stepped over that man so they could get theirs. And we carry that ministry of reconciliation. We carry that mercy with us. It is Jesus Christ. The word mercy I actually wrote in the book this week. So it was funny that I was on mercy because I'm, I am writing a book, as you guys know. And the, the, when I, I'm on the attribute of God is mercy. And it literally means someone who shows you favor when they have the power to show you a penalty to give you a penalty they have the power to give to penalize you the power to punish you but yet they show you compassion instead so we see this so you know I want you guys to pay attention pay attention to your people around you guys you're carrying the mercy with you God has the ability and the right to punish you for your sin and me he has the right and he is righteous and just in doing so to punish all lawbreakers. And all of us are lawbreakers. But God in his grace and mercy, if you are saved here tonight, has showed you compassion when you deserved penalty. Jesus said to him, rise and take up your bed and walk. I want to tell you right here, Jesus will never give you a command that he also doesn't give you the power to do it. He healed him immediately. Right, rise up, pick up your bed, walk. You're saved, you're set free. You don't have to be bound to drugs and alcohol more. You don't have to be bound to pornography anymore. You don't have to be, I'm gonna, I've given you the power that now lives inside of you to break free from the sin that I just saved you from. Yeah. 
He's not going to command you to be holy as he is holy if he didn't give you the power to do so. Now listen, holy as I am holy, we've talked about this. That is God's standard. We're going to see this here in another minute. God's standard. He can't lower his standard because we can't meet it. But that doesn't mean we don't try every day. But then when we fail, we rest in his imputation. We rest in his righteousness. We rest in his holiness. We rest in him when we mess up. But every day we wake up and say, God, here's my standard. It's you. And he's given me the power to die to my flesh every day. So if you're not dying to your flesh every day, there's a disconnect with you, not God. He's given you a word that's supernatural, alive, and active to take every thought captive, which is where every sin starts. Right? He's given you his Holy Spirit that abides in you, that gives you the power to overcome any temptation. So the disconnect is with you, not God. It's with me, not God. He will never give you a command that he also doesn't give you the power to fulfill that command. That's what makes him God and so worthy to be worshipped. He's so worthy to be worshipped. And immediately, verse 9, the man was made well, took up his bed, and he walked. And that day was the Sabbath. The man listened to Jesus. He picked up his bed, and he walked. Pick up your salvation and walk. Follow Jesus. Walk in his ways. Listen to what he has to say. Know your word. Obey it. Walk. Wouldn't have done the guy no good if he just would have sat there and never picked up his bed and just laid there after Jesus healed him. There is a synergy. There is a synergy that we work with the Holy Spirit in this sanctification process. I can't just sit here on my recliner all day and do nothing and just rest in his imputation. We're meant to walk. We're meant to run. We're meant to kneel. We're meant to pray. We're meant to help people. We're meant to spread the good news. And he's given us the power to do it. And the second part is John wants us to make weird because now we're going to get into the second part of this. And that that day was the Sabbath. Whoa. He healed somebody on the Sabbath. Uh-oh. It's about to get rowdy. Okay? Now listen, the Sabbath day, is the day was the day of rest. God ordained it the day of rest. And now Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, but he ordained it as the day of rest. Unfortunately, like religious people love to do, they like to take God's word and then add to it to make themselves feel better. But also catch this, to keep you in bondage to them. Okay? And so what happened here is the Pharisees or the religious people through the, through, through the generations added dozens and dozens of laws to the Sabbath. And you know what it made the Sabbath? The most resented day of the week. They were exhausted. You know how hard it was to keep all the rules of the Pharisees on the Sabbath? I mean, it was ridiculous. You weren't allowed to look in the mirror because you might see a gray hair and have a temptation to pull it out. You weren't allowed to pick anything up that was more than two figs in weight. And if you did, you could only pick it up to here. You couldn't pick it up to here. You couldn't move a piece of paper. You could move a piece of paper from your kitchen to your living room, but don't take it outside and definitely don't share that piece of paper with your neighbor. No, I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. They had the most ludicrous things added into, because they because it was just supposed to be no common work. Well, we here can tell you, I mean, obviously what's common work, right? 
But the Pharisees wanted to add all this stuff to it. It makes them super spiritual. But what it really makes is you in bondage to the religious spirit. Right? And so that's why he mentions the Sabbath, because it's about to get rowdy. Verse 10. The Jews therefore said to him, Who was cured? Is it the Sabbath? Wait a minute, I'm sorry. The Jews therefore said to him, Who was cured? Is it the Sabbath? Is it not lawful for you to carry your bed? They have made a law. I told you that would, bed would have weighed more than a couple figs, and he might have carried it over his shoulder, and, you know, God forbid. They're mad. Oh, my goodness. They're in a tizzy. Here it goes. Verse 11, he answered them. He said, he who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. I mean, if someone just healed you, you're going to listen. Right? right? <laughs> 38 years of, you know, paralyzed and can't move. I'm listening. You just healed me. You just healed me. But listen, God can use a donkey. So don't just listen to somebody because they can give you a sign, wonder, and miracle. We warn you guys out of all the time. The devil is more than happy to give you a lying sign, wonder, and miracle to deceive you. More than happy. That's how the Antichrist is going to deceive millions of people, mass, billions of people in the world. He's going to call fire down. He's going to have all kinds of lying signs and wonders. God can use a donkey. But there was, this wasn't a donkey. This was Jesus. So he took up his bed and he walked. Verse 13. But the one who was healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. Verse 14, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. It's going to go twofold. We talk about deliverance, right? And that, you know, you want to be really careful going back into the things in which God has delivered you from because they do go find seven more, or they go seven times more than themselves and they'll come back and see if your house is swept out and clean. There are people, as we sit here, that have been delivered from things many years ago and then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, pick something back up and it has been seven times harder. Can I get a testimony? True story. Amen. <laughs> and it's been hell to try to lay that. God delivered you from it the day he saved you. You didn't even think about that thing for years. All of a sudden, something comes into your life and you think, I just think it's a really good idea. I think I'm just going to pick that thing back up again. And now all of a sudden, you're in so much bondage, you can't lay it down. Yeah. You're fasting, you're praying, you're getting hands laid. You're now I do believe God will heal them again, but He's not, it's gonna be, you're gonna work for it this time because guess what? You're gonna remember mm -hmm. what hell you went through putting yourself back to Egypt in that bondage. Yeah. And them shackles you put back on yourself that Jesus freed you from. So we always warn you guys, be careful. Don't reopen those doors right. that God has slammed shut. It's dangerous. Is dangerous now Jesus may or may not be talking about that here most theologians think that he's actually giving a spiritual talking because Jesus loved to do that talking about eternity don't you just got healed you got set free don't go back to religion don't go back to bondage stay stay with me I'm your salvation because you think being in that bed was bad for 38 years try hell for eternity the sin, the law-breaking, going back to religion, going back to bondage. And I'll tell you, people will taste of Jesus. They'll taste of him. And yet there's just something in their flesh. We love to work it out. We love to be saved by works. We love to think that we have a hand in our salvation, that we can somehow please God through works. Now, we are called to work after salvation, of course. Any born-again believer, that's James. 
We should be doing works. But that's not what saves us, and nor is that what's going to please God. God's pleased because of his son Amen. and the atonement at the cross. That's the imputation. But there's people that will taste of the freedom. They'll, they'll taste of it. They might go to a church that's free. They might hear of this freedom, might even receive some deliverance. But, man, that religious spirit is powerful. And I'll tell you one thing I see, especially with new believers, is one of the spirits that comes to them almost instantly is the spirit of taking you back to the law, that Hebrew, that Hebrew light movement, the Israelite movement, or Messianic Jewish movement. Man, does the enemy want to get you back under that law as fast as possible. And now he's going to do it in the name of Jesus, though. So he knows you've opened up to Jesus. You get that it's Jesus, but now what he's going to do is Jesus has freed you, but now he's going to put you back under the law with what seems really awesome in religion. And I can point you some really good YouTube videos that if you don't know your word will convince you that you need to go back under the law today. Can I get a testimony? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I almost did it. Yep. And luckily, I knew I was friends with her on Facebook and I saw her starting to post this stuff. And I started, I, I texted Stephanie and said, I'm really worried. I don't know who this girl is. And I just started praying for her. Because mm -hmm. I remember that spirit. I remember how deceptive She's that like, spirit is. I said, Stephanie, you got to go get her. You got to go get her now. I said, I don't know. That spirit's tough. It may not. She may go after it because I've actually lost friends because of it. But she didn't. She come and we just happened to be teaching on Galatians at the women's Bible study at that very moment. And it set her free. And she's never looked back. Know your word. That's why I tell you guys to stay in the New Testament until you know it really, really well. So then you really understand who Jesus is. So then when you go into the Old Testament, you read it through the prism of Jesus Christ. Okay? Yeah. All right. So they think that, so there's the twofold there, and they think it could be the, you know, that he was talking about hell, which my goodness, sin, sin no more, lest the worst thing come upon you. Yeah. You're better off to be paralyzed on a blanket sitting next to a pool of mercy for the rest of your life than end up in hell for eternity. Very much. No, it's one of the most, one of the topics he talked the most on. Yeah. <laughs> so verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well couple different things here i had two different um i'm gonna I, I give you guys both because it's yeah i it it just did i give you guys what i have some theologians think that because this is rebuking the religious spirit this is how he said don't go back to that bondage don't go back to the religious spirit don't go back to religious institute they're thinking that that's why he said it was jesus because he's, he's saying, oh, man, the Pharisees are now rejecting me. They're not going to let me in the temple anymore. Ah, this just feels so comfortable to me. All I understand is Jewish law. Yeah, you healed me. Yeah, that felt great. But I'm going to out you because I need to get their favoritism again. That's one school of thought. I tend to lean on this school of thought, but it, it, it doesn't matter either way. I think that he, just like the woman at the well, had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And he wanted everyone to know it was Jesus. He wanted to tell about Jesus. And he didn't care, just like the woman at the well. She was a Proverbs 7 woman. She was bound by her sin. She was an outcast to that village. But suddenly she has an encounter with Jesus, and she goes running to the village, and she didn't care who she talked to. That shame had fell off of her, and she said, It's Jesus, the Messiah. I met him. And I think it was that spirit. I don't care that you're the Pharisees. I don't care we're in the temple. It's Jesus. That's his name. It could be the other one. Either way. He told him it was Jesus. 
And for this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him. That word persecuted is literally the present tense in the Greek. It means continually persecuted from this day forward. It's a continue. Now the hatred is there. They want to kill him even more. They're just, now it's like, now it's, a, we, all we eat, sleep, and breathe is how to kill Jesus. That's what that, that word literally means. Yeah. Because he had done these things on the Sabbath. Guys, we can get so caught up in our man's traditions and our religious attitudes that we don't, what, what struck me here, and I actually stopped when I was studying this, and I had to walk away because I started crying, and I was righteously angry, and I had to go find my husband because he's my soundboard, and I was weeping, and I was angry, and I said, they didn't even see that he was healed. They didn't even care about this beautiful ministry that just happened in front of this miracle that just took place. Yeah. All they cared about was how it affected them. How it affected their traditions. How it affected the bondage that they're trying to keep the people in. It was all about them. They couldn't even see past their own religion and see that this guy who was paralyzed for 38 years suddenly can walk. And instead of rejoicing with him, instead of rejoicing, they want to kill the man who did it. That's what religion does. Yeah. It blinds you to the Holy Spirit and the move of the Holy Spirit and what God is doing, what the Father is doing. It will blind you. It's what selfishness does and it's what religion does. It and it's blinding and it's, it'll put you in bondage to the system and to them and to the man. Yeah. Right. We're to be about our Father's business. We're to respect and we're to honor and there are definitely... God is a God of order, and there's orders, and we should follow those orders. But never let those become shackles that you no longer see what the, fa the Father's doing. And you stay shackled because you're afraid to upset the religious spirit. Right. Know who you labor among. See the people around you. Grab somebody this next week and get them to the pool of mercy. That's their only answer, guys. There's nothing else out here. This is the answer. Christ is the answer. He is the only answer. I promise you, I searched high and low for the answers of what I went through, the hell that I lived in. And it was salvation and deliverance and discipleship. Straight up. That's the only thing that has freed me. And I tried everything else, including religion. Now, we're going to stop there tonight. Um, we're not going to go any further. We're going to actually, next week, we're actually going to go into where Jesus finally, for the first time, is going to declare himself God and how he does it. We're going to go through the different attributes he's going to talk about. And you thought they were mad in verse 16? It's about to get real rowdy. Because he's about to declare things that no man would ever declare unless he was God. And so we're going to get into some theology next time. Lord, thank you so much for your word that you left it here for us, that we can learn and grow and continue to get to know you on a deeper level. Father, thank you. Father, help us, Lord, to take people to your mercy, to show people how merciful you are, that we would be willing to look past where they are in life and see them as 
image bearers of you, that they are humans created in your image that need a touch from you, that need a touch of mercy in their lives, just as we did and still do every day, as your mercies are new even for us every day. Father, help us not to care more about tradition than people being healed, that we don't look more at the building and the traditions and our pews and our carpet versus thinking of the humans, thinking of the people that are going to come in and, and need a touch from you. And we are your hands and feet. You have left us here to represent you. Oh, Father, so often we fail as your children. Help us, Lord to see past religion and right into building relationships with others in your name, that we would show your love, your mercy, and your grace to one another. Help us to see that every person we encounter may be an assignment from you to show them your mercy. Lord, I pray blessings over each one of my sisters, God. Touch their homes, their families. Touch their finances, Lord. Bless them, Father, in their health, in their jobs, marriages, relationships. God, bring reconciliation where need be. Oh, Father, thank you for caring for every aspect of our lives. Thank you that you have brought us all together on, in one way or another, whether it be through online group or whether we are getting together in person. Thank you, Lord, for you have chose your children, and we are a part of that. We are, we are sisters together with one father. We are daughters of the king together. We are the body, and Christ is the head, and we are knit together by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Bless them. Have a great week, sisters. God bless you family. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If it has blessed you in any way, would you give me 30 seconds and share it with a friend of yours? One more small little favor, if you would, head over to whatever podcast source you're listening to this on and give me a five-star review. That would be so great. It helps get the episodes out there to other people who may be wanting to learn God's word. Again, don't forget, guys, until next time, it is a crockpot faith, not a microwave. With God's word, discipleship, and patience, you too will be transformed for his good work. Grace and peace I leave with you until next time.